G'day and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. G'day, g'day, g'day. My name is Lloyd Grolleman. I'm the Aussie Pastor and we're coming to you today live, as live as you can get from our studios in Northwest Sydney, out here at Richmond. Andrew Hunt, he's our produ- producer, director and everything else, co-host. Welcome to the program. Thanks, mate. It's great to be here. Listeners, thank you so much for joining us. I love our time together on Tuesdays. How you doing, mate? Great. Having a good week? Uh, technology always requires fighting and I've just had a fight, but other than that, I've had a great week. How about you? I'd say technologically, if we're up and we're going hard, we're going, we're doing real well. That's that's how I feel. Absolutely. <laughs> so we're up and we're we're working and we're doing real well. Pretty hot day here in Sydney. I reckon it would be right now outside, running out here at about thirty three, thirty four degrees. Yeah, Plenty I, of yep. humidity and the air conditioning struggling a bit to keep up in here. But we're alive and we're praising God and we're thankful to be here. Of course. Um, today, Hunty. Uh, The 12th of December, 346th day of the year, 19 days left before we go into 2024. Can Mm. you believe it? The year's flown by. And 13 days until Hunty's favourite day of the year, Christmas. (laughs) Hey, remind us, what are you doing for Christmas? You are headed off to family this year, aren't you? Yeah, first time in a long time. First time in years, I think I've got most of my family together. Oh, I say most because my son's over in Florida, so I won't, I won't get near him this year. But kind of got family the rest all, of them. all over the country and the mm. world, don't you? But I'm looking forward to seeing him in February because he's getting married in Florida. And you're going to fly to Florida? Yes. What's that, a two-day trip away from work? That's That's a dreaded <laughs> box crush in a tiny seat in a horrible, boxy little aeroplane. Pretty much you're going over there, going to the wedding and getting on the plane and coming that's home, right. aren't you? So that's it. You get on the plane, you get there. As you get off, you go to the wedding. You go to the wedding and then you get back on the plane and come home. So Sadly, you're, yes. you're looking at the best part of, what, three or four days away and 48 hours in the plane. Well, it's a, it's probably yeah more than forty eight hours of travel if you include both ends. So lucky, um, Hunty's just a little fella. So unlike <laughs> me, I'm a big boy. Hunty fits in the economy seats, no worries at all. With but me, <laughs> I, I reckon the plane seats are getting smaller and smaller. And uh, oh man, I, I don't know. I reckon the I look at the business class seats. You know, in my whole life of flying, and I've flown all over the place, never been business class once, not a single time, not anywhere, but I reckon the business class seats today are about the same size as the economy seats <laughs> when I first started out. Is that a fair yeah, comment? Yeah, that sounds fair. <laughs> uh, is it? Seriously? Or, or? I posted a photo on my Facebook page ages ago of the first Pan Am 747 Jumbo, and it was 232. That same Jumbo Two. now is 34, 353. Okay. Yeah, so there you go. This day in history, 1787. 1787, December 12, Pennsylvania became the second state to ratify the USA Constitution. That is a big deal, actually. Sure is. Been to Pennsylvania. It's a hot place in the summer. Real hot. I mean, it, it, it rivals Sydney. Can I tell you a little joke about Pennsylvania? I'm not sure. I was working in... I'm, I'm not sure. I was working in Maryland. They call it Maryland. I'm worried. And I was going across to New York, so I had to go to the station to get the train. So in Maryland, I got on... Pennsylvania Street Station. We then went to Pennsylvania and stopped at Penn Station or Pennsylvania Station. But that wasn't where I had to get off because I had to stay on the train because when we arrived in New York at Pennsylvania Station, Pennsylvania Pennsylvania Station, that's where I got off. So I had three stations with the exact same name on the same, same, name on the same line. Can you Hila- believe that? Yep, hilarious. <laughs> uh, 
1941, this is a sad one, Adolf Hitler on this day ratified the Jewish Holocaust and declared the extermination of all Jews, and he did everything in his power, wicked man, to do that. By the way, Hunty, yes. there is no room for anti-Semitism out there in our culture today, not. and I'm horrified to see that despite the, the struggles and the battles and the pressures over there in Palestine and Israel, that we would still, after the Holocaust, hear people ranting, and it is ranting, anti-Semitic yeah. stuff. Yeah, Jesus gave us one commandment. He said, love one another like uh, you love yourself. Oh, that's right. Mm. Um, 1963, Kenya, place that's dear to your heart. Yes. Declared independence from Britain. So if you're Kenyan, happy Independence Day. In 2000, the US Supreme Court on this day, April, December 12, I almost said April 12, the US Supreme Court announced decision on Bush versus Gore. Do you know what that is about, Hunty? Mm, nope. The election was so close in 2000, it looked like Gore had won it. And uh, they were going to do a recount and they refused to do the... The courts actually refused to do the recount, which possibly would have made Gore the president. And so Bush became president. There's, wow. a, there's a lot of controversy over that to this day. <laughs> 2021 on this day, December 12, Max Verstappen wins the Formula One for the first time. I'll tell you what's significant about that. He's the first Dutchman to ever win the Formula One crown. Can I boo? I'm not a fan. Oh, I like him. <laughs> um... I like him. He's a good driver. He's he's aggressive and young and a bit arrogant, but <laughs> you've got to be like that, don't you, to, to drive Formula One? Is that'd be fair to say, wouldn't it? You've got to be. You certainly got to be on top of your game. But I never will never forgive when uh, Daniel Ricciardo slowed down and waited for him to catch up so they could do a form finish. And what did he do? Rounded him up and took the lead and took the took the win. What sort of a what sort of a person is that? Shows no integrity. <laughs> 1915 birthdays, 1915 Frank Sinatra was born on this day. The old crooner, was he in the mafia? Oh, look, they, they say he was all sorts of things, but who would know? 1955, Stephen Smith. You know who that no, is? No, who's Stephen Smith? He's the Australian oh. Consular General Ambassador to the UK. But mm. he's actually a very famous Labor politician. He just cancelled Australia Day celebrations over there, which are causing <laughs> havoc. I'm not going to get into that on this program, but it's his birthday. So if you're listening, Stephen Smith, happy birthday. And this last birthday, 1972, on December 12, Craig Field. Does that ring a bell at all? Nope. Little one? Nope. He's very famous. Rabideau, South Sydney. Oh. Detail. Halfback. It's his birthday, born in 1972. Um, and deaths, um, only a couple. This is a pretty quiet day, really, Hunty. Um, 2007, Ike Turner. That yep. name would ring a yeah, bell yeah. for you. Tina Turner's husband. Horrible husband. Well, I wouldn't. He yeah, did not I, treat I, her well. I, I, I'd be careful saying stuff like that on radio. I'm happy to. I'd be careful. <laughs> we don't know the story. We've heard Tina's side of it. Well, you've seen the movie. I haven't seen the movie. but Neither have I, but I've, I've heard Tina's side of it. Yeah. And... Someone that's a little dear to my heart for a pom, uh, Tom Walkinshaw died on this day in 2010. He had oh, wow. put together some pretty good race teams some in his pretty day. Pretty hot Holdens too in the end. Yeah, well, you forgive him for that. <laughs> Don't speak ill of the dead. Our celebrations today on December 12, well, other than, um, you know, Canyon Independence Day, it's also we're right in the middle of Hanukkah. Do you know what Hanukkah is? No. They, I think you actually Jewish, say Jewish An Hanukkah. Yeah, good. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's, it's a Jewish festival that begins uh, usually in December and it's celebrated for eight days and it reaffirms the ideals of Judaism and it commemorates in particular the rededication of the Second Temple about 170 odd years before Jesus came back to the earth. And 
it's a pretty important celebration to the Jews. So if you're Jewish and you're out there, happy Hanukkah day. And by the way, we're praying on this show anyway for the cessation of hostilities and for peace in the Middle East. We always pray for peace. Peace is always better than war. Mm. Word of the day, hunty. Yes, what's your word? Quixotic. Oh, quixotic. That rings a bell. I thought you might know what that meant, actually. Quixotic. It means extremely idealistic, unrealistic, and impractical. (laughs) Okay. Don Quixo. Do you know the story of that guy who attacked the windmills? That's a very old fairy tale. Um, uh, Here's a sentence. Nor has her quixotic campaign in a bellwether seat yet ignited. So unpractical campaign, never going to win it. So for me, here's a great one. Hunty's quixotic dream of beating Lloyd on the go-kart track will never happen. Oh, and he has to put down a light at the start of the show. Beautiful, isn't it? <laughs> and then a health tip to finish off. This is a new thing I'm going to be bringing in next year, Hunty, very yes. quickly. Stay hydrated. Yes. Drink somewhere around six to eight glasses of pure water a day. That's Why? Good. That's Five quick good. reasons. It increases energy. Two, it flushes away toxin. toxins. Toxins. Three, it improves skin complexion. You and I could both do with that. For with sure. All the wrinkles. Number four, maintains toxins. Toilet regularity, didn't know that. That's a good thing. And number five, big one for both of us, well, for me especially, Mm -hmm. promotes weight loss. You missed the good ones about your heart too. I'm only going off what I found online. Oh, okay, cool. (laughs) Say a prayer, Hunty, and let's get into the show. Definitely, Father, Lord, thank you for this opportunity again this afternoon. Lord, I want to hold up our listeners to you, Lord, for you to bless them, please, Lord. Grant them peace, grant them their heart's desires. Please bless my mate Lloyd as he happens the Bible this afternoon. And thank you for this chance to, to spread your name in our community. In your precious name, Jesus, thank you. Amen. This is Dr. Janine. Yep. And she's given us some good advice. Do this daily for better health. And what is it? It's the three P's. So the first P, poop. Women should be having at least two bowel movements a day and the guys should be having three, making sure that you're eliminating all of that food as it goes in, it's gotta come out. The second P is to pray. So prayer, meditation, really important for your connection with nature and your surroundings, really important for better health. And the third P is protect your wellness. What does that mean? That means being mindful of who surrounds you in your life, making sure that their influence on you is only positive. Certainly negative influences will have an impact on your health. So protecting your wellness is more important than what you may think for your health. I've been dreaming of a city far beyond the sky when the suffering's over Get my wings and fly When Jesus says it's over Oh, what joy that will be When it's no more dreaming I'll be home at last I've been dreaming of a city, Jerusalem Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I've been dreaming of a city, Jerusalem, my home right up in the sky. Oh, sometimes I lose direction, Satan clouds my mind. But Jesus stands to remind me that I'm a 
passing through instead of losing heaven I must look to the day when it's no more dreaming I'll be home at last I've been dreaming of a city Jerusalem Jerusalem, Jerusalem I've been dreaming of a city Jerusalem My home right up in the sky I've been dreaming of a city Jerusalem Jerusalem, Jerusalem I've been dreaming of a city to Jerusalem, my home right up in the sky. All of my troubles, my troubles will be over this journey. A little while, a little while to go. I shall see in the sky, in the sky. stuff yeah hunty yes that group that sang that song's called sweet symphony yes they're out of africa yep and uh kind of feel a little bit proud about them because i picked it straight away when i first saw them so i found them on the internet just straight out on youtube yep looking for music the moment i saw all of them i called my wife in and i said these guys are seventh day adventists and she said how do you know i said i can just tell so I looked it up. Guess what? You're right. Yeah, they're Seventh Day Adventists. Beautiful. They sing. It's kind of they've got an Adventist feel about them. What's an Adventist feel? Well, very Protestant. Conservative. No, they're no. not. They're not overly conservative. They're just beautiful singers. Um, where they come from, Hunty? Because you know, you, yes. you, you, yes. you know Africa. Zambia. Well, the reason I'm asking is because you actually do know Africa really well. You've you've worked a lot over there. You reckon Zambia? I'm, I'm guessing. I'm guessing Zambia. I would have said Kenya. 
Oh. So I'm being honest, but they're not from either. Okay. They're where? from Joburg, South Africa. Oh, there you go. Yeah, a beautiful, beautiful. I haven't been able to get that song out of my head for a, a few weeks now. Well, the harmonies are so tight. It's magnificent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really, really, really nice music. And, yep. and that song, Jerusalem, talking about heaven. I mean, when you see what's going on in the world and the struggles and the challenges and the violence and the wars, you know, and the crime and the pain, man, mm. I tell you mm. what, we should be thinking more about heaven. I'll talk a little bit about that just a little bit more today. Hey, Hunty, a couple here that really are in your area. Oh, before we do, can I give a shout-out to Ask the Aussie Pastor? Yeah. Hey, we would love to hear from you. And my favourite segment, Ask the Aussie Pastor, is going to definitely be on this afternoon. And if you'd like to send in a question, you can send it one of two ways. You can text us on 0488 880851, or you can email us, and the email address is... Pastor at gmail.com. So text us 0488 or email us theaussiepastor at gmail.com. Alrighty. Uh, and why can you say definitely is going to be on today? Why, how can you say that with such confidence? Uh, as I was speaking, I'm thinking, I, I know, I know. Here comes the lies from my mouth again. <laughs> no, they're not lies because I reckon God willing will definitely be on, but there's a reason. For certain God willing. Because we're not interviewing Robbie. There, there you go. If we're, if we're interviewing Robbie, oh, we'd be we'd be already running behind time and in trouble. I still think you might get a little loose with the interview there, Anita. No, that might take off. No, I predict it oh, might. Well, you want to bet? I'll bet you don't finish to the clock. Oh, okay, you're on. It's on. Okay. We'll see. Okay, listeners, <laughs> he's just doing that because he's trying to make me finish to the clock. Um, a couple of news stories I thought are interesting today. This second-hand EV market, which is electric vehicles, is starting to pick up a little bit. In other it words, is. what's happening is second-hand mm. uh, electric vehicles are starting to come onto the market. Should I be suspicious about buying a second-hand electric vehicle, Andrew? So, now, so the reason I ask Andrew this <laughs> is because he is a car tragic. And I'm a student of EVs. This, this guy could, could – what's that show you watch all the time? Top Gear. Yeah, he could be a host of Top Gear, Andrew. <laughs> Go for it, mate. So a lot of people worried about EVs because of the battery, and an average price for a new battery is $15,000. Scary. So no one wants to pay $20,000 for a second-hand EV car and drive it out to the showroom and have it run flat and not be able to be recharged. So no. people are worried about that. And the dealers haven't been forthcoming with information as to the condition of the battery. But I've got a tip for you, listeners. If you want to buy a used EV from a dealer, ring them up, make an appointment for, say, 10 o'clock tomorrow morning, and tell them, I want the car fully charged when I go for my test. So you get in the car, go for your test drive. After five or ten minutes, push the button that says range to empty. And there's your answer. Well, I've heard that that's not always real accurate. No, but when the car's manufactured brand new, the manufacturer says, this car can do 500 kilometres to empty. If you push the button and it says 300, then you know that battery's at least halfway. Or approximately halfway. Okay. The reason I ask that is because apparently... That range finder is very unreliable. And you can Google and you can go to, onto Facebook and you can find out how reliable EV batteries are. If you go to the, like the MG page, else people will say, yeah, we bought one. They promised 500 and I get 490. So I, you, you can get a fair sense of how accurate they are with their predictions. But their predictions are flat road, no wind resistance, one person in the car, air conditioner not on, driving during the day with the headlights off. So they've got all the electricity they can save possible when they make their predictions. I'm not buying one. I know you're not. Still not doing it. I know you're not. Do you know why? You haven't got solar panels on your roof to charge it up. No, it's not that. You've got range. What's that range shock? Range yeah. scaredy catness. I'm not touching them until they put <laughs> decent range in them. I, I, I can think of nothing worse than going to Brisbane, getting caught halfway up, going in to fuel the thing, well, charge it, and there's five cars in front of you. No, I'm not doing it. 
when they get that all sorted out, I'll think about it. Because I'm not against electric cars. I actually like the the brutal power of them, mate. When you get in a you get in a, a family four wheel drive electric car quicker than a Porsche 911. Of course, I like that, man. Well, the new the new Tesla Cybertruck yeah. was put on the drag strip the other day against the Porsche 911 for a drag yeah, race. Yeah, but why does why does Elon have to make that thing so ugly? Do you know it's um, confession? Why? First, let me end my, my Porsche story. It beat the Porsche down the quarter mile with a trailer on the back, with a Porsche on the back of it. Yeah, okay. Okay. Now, it might be ugly, but its coefficient of friction through the air oh. is just a shade off the Bugatti Veyron, which is the most air-efficient car on the road. So the bottom line, it's not, it's, it's not bred for beauty. It's, it's bred for wind resistance. Or... It's, it, it's bred for functionality. And apparently, the story goes that his son said, hey, Dad... Why are all these new age cars you're making? Why do they all look like old cars? And so his dad said, what do you want? And the son said, make me something that looks like it's new and from the future. Ugh. I know. That's the story that's getting around. Yeah. <laughs> I think I like the first one better about the wind resistance thing. Well, that's hey, true. The wind well, resistance is true. Do, they, do these, these EVs that Musk has brought out, these, brought out these, these trucks, not trucks, we'd call them what? Utes SUVs. Or SUVs, yeah. yeah. Do they tow? Yeah, Musk does. He can tow a Porsche on the back of a car trailer faster than a Porsche no, can no, go. I'm not asking that. I know they tow, but yeah, can they tow, tow weight? I mean, yeah, you tow a if, you, if I go and buy one of them, I'm going to be able to tow a yeah. 3,000 kilo yeah. tow to caravan? Yeah, for sure. So no issues? No issue with that at all. But the Cybertruck's over $100,000. Oh, plenty of cars are over. I'm not, I mean, I'm not, in the, I'm not in that financial price bracket anyway. No. Um, they don't pay that sort of money on <laughs> Adventist <laughs> Faith FM radio. No. Um, this crime wave in Townsville was pretty ho- pretty horrifying. Horrific. Um, when you're looking at the fact that it's kids. Yep. And when you're looking at kids 13 and under. Unsupervised kids whose parents don't even know where they are. Do you blame the parents? I think with all the rules and regulations that are protecting our children, it's hard for people to discipline our children these days. I don't know. I, I I, I don't know. I could get into trouble on radio. It's Christmas time. I think the so Bible, maybe, I think maybe the Bible people says our are, children will become lawless. M- maybe people will be gracious and merciful out there but mm. toward me with this view. But, but I, I think p- kids can definitely still be trained. I think it does lie basically still in the home. Yes. But it's very frustrating for the police when yes. they arrest these kids and they get dragged before the courts and they don't even get a tap on the hand and they just get mm-hmm. let go. So Revolving got, door justice. You've got no discipline at home and on top of that you've got a justice system that's not dealing with them. Um, and so there's no repercussions. Mm. You know, when I was a kid, Hunty, mm. if, if you got taken for doing what these kids are doing yeah. when I was a kid, now oh, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not saying this is right either. But you'd get taken to the police station and you'd be touched up. Oh, yeah, you'd be dealt with. You would be, and you wouldn't do it again. Yeah. Because you'd know there's ramifications. These kids are just out there running havoc. That's right. I think you hit the nail on the head when you said the Bible said it is a sign of the times, but it's very sad when you've got 13-year-old and under kids, you know, got the whole town of Townsville Mm. taken hostage. And and Townsville's a great place. Mm. Love Townsville. It is. Uh, And this last one, Aussies warned of worsening heat. Do you buy that idea that... The weather's just going to get hotter? Um, I was reading some scientific journals the other day, and it's a complex issue, but I think what's important in this, in this question is how to prepare for the heat. I mean, our old people, you can't survive in, in a house in 45 degrees without air conditioning, and, and the death statistics all around the world when it gets over 45 are glaring. So I'd like to make some, some, give some advice to those on a hot day. You've got 10 seconds. All right. 
fill a bath full of cold water, jump in the cold bath, have a cold shower, make sure you've got a fan, get a water squirter that squirts just plain water in the air and let that land on you while a fan's blowing on you. These are things you can do almost for free that will reduce your temperature. Go sit under a rock, go to the mall, go, to, go find when there's an air conditioner, a shopping centre. These are the things you need to do when it gets over 40. Go to the mall, that's what I'm going to do, Hunty. Yeah, yeah. Hey, listen to this short video. This is powerful, Hunty. Yep. Billy Graham, great preacher, Protestant preacher in full flight. The most sinful place in the history of the world is the cross. Jesus became the most sinful man that ever lived. You know why? The scripture says he became sin for us. He had never known sin. All of a sudden, he not only had the sins of the people of that generation, but he had the sins of all mankind. Every person that will ever live, he had the sins on him. He became guilty of every single sin. Think of a person that had never sinned and all of a sudden every sin he's guilty of. His suffering was 10,000 times worse than that of the average man who would be crucified. He was suffering spiritually when he cried, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? If we have the will No, it won't be easy We'll need help from above But if everybody pitches in We can build a bridge of love Let's build a bridge of love Across the sea of hate From nation to nation Standing through each generation Side by side, that's what it's gonna take Then one day we'll cross that bridge to a better life And we'll leave behind us that old world of strife And when we reach our new world, hate will never fear I bet if we could see God's face He'd be smiling from ear to ear Let's build a bridge of love Across the sea of hate From nation to nation Standing through each generation Let's build a bridge of love Across the sea of hate Hand in hand, side by side that's what it's gonna take Let's build a bridge of love Across the sea of hate A nation to nation Standing through each generation Let's build a bridge of love Across the sea of hate Hand in hand, side by side That's what it's gonna take
Alrighty, beautiful like, song. You, you didn't have me up, did you? I didn't. I'm talking. Yeah, yeah. You like that song? Oh, yeah, good song. I, B- like, I like him. BJ Thomas. Absolutely. Passed away not so long ago. Hey, we've got a very special guest on the program today. We I do. want to welcome her. One of the toughest girls I know. Can You can't does hear she, me? Does she have a mouthful of food right now? I think she does. No, I don't think she can hear yeah, us. She can hear us and she has a mouthful of food. Ah, that's nothing. <laughs> she has a right to be eaten. Um, one of the toughest girls I know. And I have a little bit of a soft spot for this girl simply because she's coming from the same place my wife does, Indonesia. I want to welcome you to the program today, Erin. Are you ready to go? How are you? I am good. Thank you so much. Now, uh, you're a Christian girl. You love the Lord. Uh, but you have some pretty big interests in life. And you're one of the most determined young women I've ever come across. You got into running not so long ago. Tell us, how did you start running? Okay. So, Inconsistently, about eight years ago, I started like walking and jogging, but consistently, it's pretty much in the last two years. Okay. Um, do you like it or is it just something you're doing for fitness? Um, I love it. So it's more of um, when I run, I listen to the music, listen to God's word. Um, it's a conversation between God and me. Like, it's just beautiful. And that's the time when I complain sometimes to God, God, this is not fair. Or sometimes when I'm, yeah, it's a conversation with God and me. That's the best. That's that's how I connect with God. When you're running, how long do you run for? And do you do it every day? Um, before I got injured, like um, roughly uh, in seven days, I run probably about, like five to six days, one day is of rest, yep. but the rest is yeah running every day. How many k's a day? It depends. Um, it depends. Like my coach will um, um, pretty much modify my my uh, my training, and then he will, for example, five to ten k's depends. Like you know, so it you, depends on. You have a coach. Yes, I have a coach. Does running come naturally to you? Like, so are you a natural runner? I'm not. Um, I was like I said. I just started two years ago, and you know, like I'm like I just ran and ran and ran, and then I got injured so much until someone say suggested, and I realized that as well. And um, like, why don't you have a coach? Because as you know, everyone, you know, if, when you invest your time on something like you really love, if you have a coach, they will help you and guide you, and you know, to to prevent less injury. Okay. Okay, so you're running, you've got a coach. Is it distance running you're doing? Is that what you aim for, to do marathons? Yes. And that? Yeah? Yes, I love distance running. Okay. Have you done much long distance racing? Well, I did my first marathon last year. And before, prior to that marathon, you know, like um, I was injured really bad, back injury. And then I went to the physio. The first physio said, um, I, I, it will take you six weeks to recover. And I said, I can't do that. Uh, the race is in like in 12, uh, in eight weeks. Yep. And then she said, she, she can't help me. So I determined to find another physio. And then I found this um, um, this physio and then he helped me. And he said, if I can put you in the starting line, I'll be the happiest man. And he did. And then we completed the marathon. And after that, I'm thinking, wow, I can do this. And I started like investing more time in running. And I'm thinking, what is harder than ha- marathon? And I remember um, I searched and they mentioned, I never heard about ultra training. 
uh, ultra, uh, ultra trail running. And then when I looked at it, like, wow, people walk, people run in the bush. This is extreme. So I searched more about it and just like, wow, this is, looks really, really cool. And, you know, so that's how I found, you know, about this um, ultra marathon. Okay. Before we yeah. go to the ultra marathon, how long did it take you to run that first marathon? I'm just interested. Ah, it's very long. I think it was around five hours or four to five hours. And I was walk. How, yeah. how long to marathon? 40 Ks. But, but that's road, road marathon, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you're talking about ultramarathon. Can you just tell for our listeners, what is an ultramarathon? What does that actually mean? Okay, ultramarathon is pretty much run um, climbing the mountain, down the valley, by the river. It's just so beautiful. You just, like, see this beautiful God's creation and then you have this, you know, you started thinking in your mind, like, wow, this is beautiful. It's just, I think for me, that's the best time, like, to think, to praise God, to um, connect with God. Okay. Okay. I'm I'm hearing you. I'm not convinced yet. (laughs) I'm convinced on your story. I'm just not convinced on the ultra marathon. You've got this ultra marathon race you get a hold of at Mount Kosciuszko and the Snowy Mountains. Is that right? Tell yes, us, just correct. tell us briefly about that. Don't tell us. Okay. We'll, we'll get to when you did it and if you did it, but just tell us what the race is. Okay. So the race is totally about 106 kilometers. Yeah. So started ascending from uh, uh, Friday, uh, Flat Friday, and climbing up to Eagle Nest, five kilometers. And then, that's, and then after that, keep going, you start at the checkpoint one. After the checkpoint one, there are eight checkpoints. And then... Um, I want to describe the hardest thing is, uh, well, the first checkpoint to the second checkpoint. The second checkpoint, you're up on uh, like Mount Kosciuszko. It was just beautiful. I actually, I cried and I said, God, this is just beautiful. I was smiling. And then as we climb, uh, as we going down, um, you have to be you know, careful as well because you don't want to injure your quads, like yeah. because you have still a long way to go. And at 68.7 kilometers, I know the checkpoint six and checkpoint seven is going to be the hardest one. So um, a week before the race, I actually text people to send me the words of encouragement so I can listen at the checkpoint six and checkpoint seven. I anticipated, I knew it already because at that checkpoint, it's already more than halfway and you're climbing up again. And and I was right. That was the toughest one. Because and did you, listen to, did you listen to the messages? Yes, I listened to the messages that actually, uh, that messages that I listened to, I, I cried. And then when I listened to that messages, I just like, wow, God, thank you for sending me um, people to, you know, send this message. As I ran up the mountains in between uh, around the 68.7 to mm. 88 point kilometers, I was actually very sick as well. I was did, did you actually run to the top of Mount Kosciuszko? Yes. I did. I walked that about two years ago and almost killed myself. <laughs> I walked it. On the way back, I got passed by a toddler. Seriously, <laughs> I got passed by a toddler. Yeah, but you, that was pre-knee surgery, that, No, it wasn't. Wasn't it? No, it was post-knee surgery. Oh. That's when I decided, uh, I've been talking to you and your husband, Aranita, I decided I'm going to get fit. That's when I got passed oh. by a toddler on the track Coming down from Mount Kosciuszko, this little girl would have been three years old. She whizzed past me, and I couldn't raise a trot. So you you're running 106 kilometres. Did you get injuries? 
Well, around 11 o'clock, it was pouring. And until 4 o'clock in the morning, it's on and off, but it was pouring. And then I got really bad blisters. It was, I think, I remember around 75K. I can I can feel like like a knife stabbing my right foot. And I step, I can feel the blister popped. Ooh. And then for the next... And then I was like, I can't walk. And I started thinking, no, I have to walk. Otherwise, I'll just stuck here. So I remember yep. the first five minutes, I was screaming, like screaming literally and walk. Mm. And then after the past, past that uh, pain, that five minutes, I was managed to, you know, it's a bit of pain. It's mm. okay. Mm. Just keep going. Uh, uh, were your feet in a mess when you finished? Yes. Have they? Now, how long ago did you race this race? Um, that was on Friday, and then it was finished on um, Saturday morning. We're just talking days ago, aren't we? Pardon? We're only talking a few days ago. Yes, not long ago. Um, and yeah, my feet was when we take up when we took off my shoes. My sister, my crew support, my sister, yep. my brother-in-law, and my husband too. And then we, it was. It was so painful because, yeah. And then on yesterday, I went to actually to um, the hospital. Yep. Uh, there's a, a beautiful nurse, a clinical nurse consultant, like my uh, looking after my uh, blisters, and it's much better now. So you can walk. I can walk, but it's still a bit, it's still hurting a bit, and yeah, it's fine. Have you recovered just, from that race? In the last two days, I sleep most of the time because I ran 26 hours without sleeping. It was so exhausting. And um, even when I think about it now, like, how how has that happened? Like, I just like, yeah, still. Did you, did you how, after the race, you finish on the yeah. early in the morning. Is that right? Yeah. Did you, yeah. Did you sleep pretty much straight away? No, I couldn't sleep. I was yeah. still. I think my my, my adrenaline yeah. just like still like wow. Did, did that just happen? I think I didn't sleep for an, until one p.m. Yeah. I was just still talking to people. Just like wow, I was just still like yeah, in shock. Look, we're out of time. I'd like to. Oh, I'd oh, like to. I've got a question. I've got a question about the fundraising you're doing, Aranita. Well, if, yes. you, if we go over time now, this is on your head, Hunty. <laughs> he bet me on the program, Aranita, we, that you and I wouldn't get this done in time. And I just want to let the audience know we have. So, okay, Hunty. So um, I believe you're running to raise $5,000 for ADRA. Is that true? That's right. Uh, for Christmas gift um, for family in Zambia. Yes. So uh, at the moment, we are short by 1,700. I'm so looking at your you fundraising like page. Yeah, you've raised 3,348, it seems. So how, yeah. do, how, how if people want to give, what do they do? I tell you what, if you want to give to Tanita's great fundraising effort, just text us, Erinita, um, to 0488880851, and I'll send you a hot link to her fundraising GoFundRaise.com.au. Hey. So text Aranita to 0488880851. You can help her bring hope, relief, um, food. I think goats. Is it goats? Two goats and chickens? Goats, goats and chickens. Chickens and yeah, water and chickens. To, to these poor people, these poor families for Christmas. Um, we'll get you on in early in the new year in one of our first few programs. We'll talk about a bit about the recovery, etc. One last question. Would you do it again? Yes. <laughs> wow. Thank you, Aranita. God bless you. You are very inspiring. I was actually supposed to send her a message of support, but I was caught in my own little 
uh, pity party, hunty. <laughs> <laughs> I just come out of surgery and it was beyond me, Aranita. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> okay. I understand. We'll talk to you early in the new year because I want to follow this up a little more. Thank you, Aranita. Yeah. Bye-bye. God bless. See ya. Huh? Is it going to be a... It's going to be a sting. It's going to be a... Hey, there it is. You're listening to the Aussie Pasta here on Faith FM. I pressed the button at least three times then. Did you? Yeah. And nothing ignoring, happened. No, nothing was happening. Can you press the button to bring the program up for us <laughs> so I can know where we're going now? Let's see. How's that, mate? Is that, is that an improvement? Yeah, yeah, very good. Good. Um, She's inspiring, that girl. She's very And inspiring. I do want to talk to her more because there's more questions I've got she's to ask she's running her. for such a great cause. Yeah, she is. Yeah. So, um, we, we might come back to that in a minute, Hunty. Okay. Uh, and get, make sure everyone's got those details if I want to give to that worthy cause. Uh, this song, Nearer, My God to Thee. Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Not a great fan of the organisation and the system, but, man, they've got some fantastic choirs. Yeah, they and do. And this is one of them. And this is just one of my – it's a slow song. It's a very sobering song. It's a reflective song. It's a song they played when the title. Titanic went under, hunty. Really? Yeah, it is. Near my God to thee, and in this world of trouble and trial, is there ever such a song that could be more powerful?
Hey, Hunty. Yeah. You were telling me you've heard the Mormon Tabernacle Choir live. I have a couple, in a couple of places, but I actually heard it in um, in that actual temple in in Salt Lake City. Would have been a tremendous experience. Mm. That. Mm. Hey, um, just recently I went and had knee surgery. Um, and I'm talking only a few days ago, so I'm still getting whacked with a fair bit of pain. It was my second time on my left leg, and they had to replace the knee again because the first one they gave me coming from the manufacturer was a dud, and so I got got caught in a callback, which if you've had total knee replacements, a fairly devastating experience. It's a sobering experience. It's an emotional experience. It's a, it's a bit of a scary experience. Um, and all, you know, your life flashes before your eyes, Hunty, and mm. you're again mm. forced to contemplate life and mm. your mortality in it. Now, it might seem like I'm overrating this surgery, but if you've had total knee replacement and two on the same knee within mm. a year, couple of years... It's major. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. And mm. so I preached in my church, New Hope, last Saturday. And you know what subject I went to? I do. Yeah. Heaven. Yeah. You know why? Why? Because whenever I come under stress and things are a bit uncertain and I'm not sure, I start to think about heaven. And I thought I'd share this sermon with you today, and I hope it blesses you. Heaven. What is it like? You know, as you get older like I am, and you start to go through some challenges in life, and man, I've been going through some challenges of life, of late, heaven starts to become pretty important. I remember when I was with Hunty, uh, and we were in Sydney and we were doing some filming for a similar program to this and we happened to get ourselves down near that COVID boat. Do you remember when COVID first started? Hunter you down and I are down there filming away and then we went to Chinatown. I think I've shared with some of you, he insisted that we get something to eat. You remember that, Hunty? So he absolutely insisted. He was very determined. And so we sat down and had something to eat and we both came home, we think, with one of the first cases of COVID in Australia. And we retreated, I retreated out to my farm because we were all locked down and we're out there. And uh, Liska says, because I'm Australian, I'm a bit pessimistic. And so I'm out at the farm and I had COVID and I was sure I was going to die. In fact, every day I would go out and just near our farm, there's a cemetery of a steep hill. And I'd walk up that steep hill to see whether I could still breathe because if I knew I, if I couldn't, I'd be laying in that cemetery in a day or two. And I was convinced that's where I was going. Now, strange as that story might be, I got a lot of comfort in my time of doom and gloom where I thought I was going to die and never came anywhere near it, by the way. I got a lot of comfort out of heaven and I think sometimes it's difficult for us to imagine what heaven is like we go to Melbourne and it is a beautiful city by the way and I get into trouble because there's a lot of people from Melbourne watching us online but I think Sydney's a better city in fact this Queensland boy will tell you I reckon Sydney's the best city Sydney is the best city in the world it is beautiful yep and that's from a Queensland boy. Don't go too far. doesn't mean I'll be blue come April, May next year. But I think we live in a beautiful city. I think Melbourne is a beautiful city. Too cold, someone said. Yeah. But it's not heaven. And so you start to think in your own mind, 
how do you envisage heaven? And I don't reckon we as Christians spend enough time thinking about heaven. But I'll tell you this much. When you face death or as you get older, it seems heaven gets a little bit closer. And perhaps as we get older, we start to think more of what heaven will be like. And so I start to think, what will heaven be like? I remember when I went to this place, again with Hunty. In fact, I, I went there uh, by myself when I was very young, and then I went back there with Hunty to film a few years ago. And we'll be going over there again, God willing, soon. Yosemite National Park in Northern California. Anyone been there? Amazing. There's a few people. Amazing place. You drive over the, the top of the mountain through these giant redwoods and you come to this place which truly for me is as close to heaven as I have ever seen. I never got there in winter. I wish I had been able to go there in winter. But it is the most gloriously beautiful place. And I have had the privilege of travelling the world. And I don't know what the rest of you travellers think of being there. But I don't think I've ever been to a place which I imagine would be as close to heaven as Yosemite. Just stunning. I was on a trip when I was over there studying at Pacific Union College in Northern California. And I went up through Yosemite and then I went up through Montana, past Yellowstone National Park. I mean, these are, these are wow places. America is one of the most amazing countries in the world. And then we went over the border into Canada and we came to this place, Lake Louise, up in the mountains near Banff. I mean, this is a wow, wow place. That, this is the hotel there. That hotel's like $10,000 a night or 100000 I don't know. So far out of my league, we were staying in a youth hostel. <laughs> but it came to me while I was there that this must be what heaven is like. Well, this place, do you know where that is? That's Lake Rotorua in New Zealand. New Zealand, our little neighbours... They can't play cricket, but it is a beautiful country. <laughs> and this is Lake Rotorua. When I was a youth leader over there, we'd go out with the Pathfinders on these Pathfinder expeditions. I would have been the most uneducated youth leader, Pathfinder director a conference has ever had. I knew nothing about Pathfinders. I'm the Pathfinder leader, youth leader of the conference, but I had a great group of DDs. And we go on these Pathfinder expeditions. And they, well, I remember this one time they took us for a hike near Lake Rua. And like it does in New Zealand, it's raining, it's miserable. It was hell. It was far from heaven. But I experienced heaven there because as we trudged through the bush, we came out here. And what you've got is little hot streams running through the bush into this cold lake. And so you build these little rock pools. And you sit in these rock pools in the rain. And it's heaven. Uh, what the Pathfinders didn't realise is I had a DD, district director, who really knew what he was doing. He'd take me 50 metres into the bush and here's this pool. It was unbelievable. A little bit like this. Up one end it was really hot. And up the other end it was really cold. And uh, they had to send a search party out for the youth director because they couldn't find him for the next five days. I wasn't getting out of that pool, I can tell you. It was heaven. What about this when I went to South Africa? We went through the gates of Kruger National Park. We had been in Kruger no more than two or three minutes. And this happened. Surrounded by lions, safe in the car, about as close to heaven as you could get. And I saw amazing things in Kruger National Park. I saw 
a lioness pull down a zebra. It was a pretty ferocious sort of thing, but it's heavenly for me <laughs> because I was seeing something I'd never seen before. I mean, these hippopotamuses, hippopotamuses, they are the most amazing, cute animals. But you wouldn't believe it, they're the most dangerous animal on the planet. And they're responsible for more deaths than anybody else. So you can think they're cute, but you don't go too close to them. Um, I think I went backwards then, sorry. Well, these guys, the elephants and Kruger were just unbelievable. I truly did feel like I was in heaven until one of them got upset with me and it was a big male bull and I got too close and he chased me. I'm in the car in reverse with a bunch of kids screaming, trying to get away in reverse from this elephant. Fortunately, he didn't uh, chase me for too long. But these things are like a 10-storey building, it seems. They're so big. And you kind of get a sense, well, is this heaven? And then you see these guys. We have these guys in Australia... But we don't have them down here. As I'm going into Kruger National Park, we're going across a bridge and I look down into the water and I see him. Just amazing. Kruger National Park, was I in heaven? It almost seemed like it. Everywhere I looked, there were these beautiful animals. And it is one of the most amazing places on the planet. And then one night I saw this fella. A leopard. One of the most dangerous animals in Africa. Kruger heaven? I don't think so. A few months later after we'd been there, we actually went on one of these night safaris. Our tour guide, who we got to know, got eaten on a night tour like we were on by a leopard. So you see these places and they look beautiful. But everywhere, despite their beauty is death and mayhem and pain. You know where that is? That's Ukraine. About a decade ago. And that's Ukraine today. This earth is not heaven. And there's nothing on this earth that can compare to heaven. Guess where that is? That's the Gaza Strip. Six months ago. I actually checked the date on the photo. That's the Gaza Strip six months ago. That's the Gaza Strip today. Far from heaven. So we have beauty on this earth, but I want to put it to you this morning that we can't even begin to imagine what heaven is like. That's JFK, one of the most popular, powerful presidents in the history of the United States of America. This is him when he was young with his wife at the peak of his powers, about to become the president of the United States of America. You know where him and his wife are today? Here. Arlington National Cemetery. This place, this earth that we live in, is not heaven. And as beautiful as it can be sometimes, it gives us little glimpses through windows. Into heaven, it is not heaven. And so it's hard for us as human beings to imagine what heaven is like. So let's have a look at what the Bible, just for a few minutes, 
It's a hot day. I'm not going to keep you long. And you've got a guarantee of that because this leg is getting sore and sore. <laughs> I start off at about 4 out of 10 today when I got up the front. I'm up to 6. So that's your surety of a fairly short sermon. Amen, church? <laughs> the promise of heaven. Let's look at that. John 14, our scripture reading. This is Jesus. And Jesus tells this to you and to me. And he tells it to us because he wants us never to lose hope. He knows the sort of planet we're going to live in. He knows that it's beautiful, but he also knows that it's deadly. In fact, the planet is fatal. Someone once said no one gets off this planet alive. John 14, 1 to 3, Jesus said this. I want this to burn into your hearts this morning. We need to, in the hard times when life strikes us and we're going through difficulties and challenges and we think we're going to go down and won't rise up, we need to remember this promise. John 14, 1 to 3. Now, I'm a drama queen, I know that. I'm a drama queen. I had a knee replacement, felt like I almost died. Sure, I was facing death in the last couple of weeks. Well, I never was. But that's kind of just what I'm like. But when you're going through drama and when things are not good, remember, as I'm telling you this morning, these promises. This is not our home. We will not stay here. We're on our way to heaven. Here's the promise from Jesus himself. If you're a Christian, you believe. John 14, 1 to 3. Let not your heart be troubled. This is Jesus to you. You believe in God? He said, believe in me. And I got this version because I like it. In my Father's house are many mansions. I want a mansion, not a room. Amen, church? You want a mansion or a room? Either one will do, but I want a mansion. So I picked this version. In my father's house, many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, said Jesus, if I go, what's he doing now? He's preparing a place for us. If I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself that we're I am there you may be also. So, so Jesus promises us heaven. The second uh, thing I want to share with you today is how. How do we get to heaven? 1 Thessalonians 4. Do you know this Bible scripture is one of the reasons I'm an Adventist pastor? This is one of the messages that we have that is red hot. We don't believe in a secret rapture. We don't believe in the idea that Jesus is going to come back to this world and set up his kingdom in Israel with us torn apart by war and, and death. We don't believe that. We believe what the Bible says. How do we get to heaven? For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with the commanding shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, first the believers who have died will rise from their graves. There will be resurrection. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we go up in the Lord in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, then we'll be with the Lord forever. That's how it's going to happen. So Jesus promises heaven, and now he promises he's going to come back and get us. Now my friends, I believe, and I'm a watcher, that we are going to see Jesus come real soon. And I believe as a church and as a people, we should be preparing to meet our Lord. I want to say something about Manny. He won't like this. But I have seen, and it's been a privilege, the change in that young man's life as Jesus has come into his heart and what a difference it has made. Preparing to meet the Lord. And I encourage you young people, prepare to meet the Lord. 
But I also encourage the older ones in this church, prepare to meet the Lord. And I wonder today, as you, you look at your life, are you preparing to meet the Lord? Are you ready right now for heaven? Because it's coming. Okay, what is heaven like? Revelation 20. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. In heaven, God's going to be with us. You know, I just went into hospital for this operation on my knee. It's, a, um, it's what they call a knee revision. Um, I had to go in because it's an Exatec knee. That's the brand. It's a German-American knee. Um, when they put it in, it was supposed to more or less last the rest of my life. But they didn't store the knee properly. And so the plastic stoppers in between the knee, beside the knee, they disintegrated. And as they disintegrated, so did the knee. And so the top half of my knee was absolutely destroyed, worn away, because the plastic stoppers had worn away. And the plastic's got to go somewhere, had all drifted around to the back of my knee. And I had this great big cyst full of blood, which is why I was struggling to walk so much. But you go into hospital, I don't know what happens when you get in there. I don't know whether it's the drugs. I don't know whether it's the environment. But all of a sudden, you get vulnerable. Have you guys ever been in hospital noticed that? You get vulnerable and you're not so sure. And you lose your confidence. And I'm a pretty confident guy. When I'm in hospital and I've become vulnerable and I'm not so sure and I feel anxiety starting to come on. Can I tell you what it means... For me personally, while I'm in hospital lying in a hospital bed, what I really don't like is I'm in a hospital bed and I can't get out. This is the second attempt on my knee. Pray to God it's the last one. The first attempt, the anaesthetic didn't go real well. It took me three days to stand up. So I'm stuck in the bed for three days. I couldn't move. I'm kind of a little bit, what do you call those guys that got to move all the time? Um hyperactive and so I'm being stuck in that bed was very hard on me and I was on the verge of panic attack a number of times and it's a very special and a powerful thing for me to have Jesus with me in that hospital do you get what I'm saying I'll go further I have no idea how people go to hospital and go through serious sickness and illness without Jesus I'd be afraid and I was scared and vulnerable. And this is an anxious world. And the Bible says we're about to go through a time of trouble like the world has never seen. Believe me, when you get to heaven, by the time we get through what we're about to go through, it'll mean a big deal that God will be with us. Never leave us. Always there. So first point, God is with us. This one, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And so I look at what happened to me in hospital. Were there tears? Nah. Was there death? No. 
Was there sorrow? Oh, there was great sorrow from me, I can tell you. <laughs> you know, when they opened my knee up and they took the front section out completely, replaced the kneecap, can you imagine it? I should have brought the video that I showed last night of what they did. There was great sorrow. Uh, was there crying? Uh, no, not really. Was there pain? <sighs> Let me tell you a little miracle. Yesterday was the worst day I've had. That's uh, eight or nine days out. The worst day. I was in so much pain, but I made a commitment to God that I was going to do last night's Friday night live program in the studio. I went to the studio. I was in agony. I did the program. Oh, it was awful. Came home, put my foot up on the bed, and within half an hour, all the pain had gone. Hallelujah, amen. And I'm standing here this morning, and I'm still traveling at four and I should be up around eight now I kind of had that breakthrough lots of pain and if you've had tears and if you've had death in your life and if you've had pain and if you've had crying it ought to mean a lot to you that when we get to heaven that stuff's gone I see little Imogen are you watching her who's battling cancer she turned four today or tomorrow my heart's in agony for that little girl She's got, how do you say the cancer she's got? It's a brain gibularzama or something or other, but a terrible cancer, and it's got into her spine. As a church, we've been praying for her for how long? Two, three years. And they had to operate on her this week. And I'm talking to the Lord last night about Imogen, and I'm saying, Lord, please. Well, in heaven, there is none of that. Little Imogen will be pain free. I often wonder, going back to myself, what it'll be like when we get to heaven and we see Jesus come and he turns us into perfection. What's it going to be like in that moment as we're looking up in the sky and he turns us into these perfect beings? My ankle will be replaced. My knee, it's never going to be good. It's going to get replaced. My shoulder, this whole left side, if I could cut myself down the middle and replace myself. Hello? Yep, where away? <laughs> I did that just to make Hunty come down here. <laughs> It'll be a wonderful thing to get to heaven and none of these things are there. Okay, this is heaven. This river flowed down the centre of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life. I want you to imagine this. Bearing 12 crops of fruit, maybe one a month, who knows. With a fresh crop, the leaves were used for medicine to heal. And I, I, I kind of don't get that, except I love it. Life flowing from this tree. Eternal life. This crystal clear river flowing from the throne of God. In a city whose height is beyond Brisbane to Melbourne. This is incredible stuff. This tree brings healing. I don't really know what that means. Maybe you can open that up for me. But I like the sense of it. No longer will there be a curse upon anything for the throne of God and the Lamb will be there and his servants will worship him. Now I know some of you are looking at the clock and saying, Lloyd, your time is up. You said a short sermon. Well, I've got 36 seconds left. I want to say this. Barton, where are you, girl? Your music and your music team are sensational. Sheila, 
what you do for the kids here in this church is unbelievable. It's, it's wonderful. Amen? What the tech team does up the back, praise the Lord. And when we have visitors, let's not say the local pastor, when we have visitors here, David Ashrick and John Lomacane, we have some pretty high Sabbaths, amen? But you know, I'm not silly. Sometimes I'm preaching and you see people getting fidgety and looking at the watch. I remember one, I might have told you about this guy, church I had up on the Sunshine Coast and head elder. There's a day when you remember they put the three elders up the front here. And he'd come up and he'd fall asleep every week when I was preaching. I said to that dude one day, I said, mate, if you fall asleep one more time, I'm going to wake you up in front of the congregation. Well, he, he was like a man with toothpicks in his eyes after that because he took me seriously. Uh, but you see people wandering off, you see people getting bored, you see them sleeping when you're preaching. That won't happen in heaven. Jesus will preach. My dad went to a black church in the United States of America and if there's one people that can preach it, so amen, those black African-American preachers, amen? Then we might need to get one here at New Hope to stir us up sooner than later. And he goes to this church and this man gets up to preach, C.D. Brooks. He preaches for half an hour, he goes to sit down. You know what they yelled out? More, keep preaching, brother. I've never heard that call in my preaching. <laughs> Keep preaching, they said. So he keeps preaching for another half hour. He's gone an hour, gone an hour now. He goes to sit down, you know what they said? More! Keep the guy preached for two and a half hours and then not a person moved. Not a breath in the church. Holy Spirit was there. Great power, but that is nothing on what's going to happen when we get to heaven. And I'm going to cry and I'm going to weep and I don't care if I'm right up the back at the very corner. I just want to be through grace, through God's grace, through the grace of Jesus Christ, I want to be there. I don't care where I am, I want to hear Jesus preach. And when he preaches, and when we sing, I say this all the time. Someone said that when we get up there, we'll be able to sing in seven-part harmony. Well, that'll be something for me, because I can't even sing in one-part harmony. No amen from you, Lil. The singing, the music, the preaching, to me the highlight of heaven is the worship. I hope and pray that we have worship more, not just on the Sabbath. Isaiah 66, 23 says we're going to gather together every Sabbath and worship the Lord in heaven. But I hope and pray that we, and I'm sure we will, be worshiping the Lord morning and night on the sea of glass in heaven. Christmas is two weeks away. Have you bought my presents yet, Liska? She's going to Indonesia again and she will buy those presents before she leaves. You cannot leave Manny and me without gifts, girl. But you look at Christmas and it seems, you know, in a couple of weeks we'll be in January and Christmas will be, seems so far off. But here's the reality. It's not. And before you know it, we're at Christmas. I think heaven's like that. It seems so far off. But before we know it, through the grace of Jesus Christ, we'll be walking through those pearly gates. I want to invite our musicians to come up. We'll be walking through those pearly gates and through the grace of Jesus Christ, we'll be in heaven. How do we get there? For God so loved the world. It's so simple. Why do we make this so difficult? We do this as Adventists, we make it difficult and we shouldn't do it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that 
Whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Believe. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Melbourne is beautiful. Sydney is beautiful. Yosemite is beautiful. But then nothing on heaven. Let's stand up and sing about heaven now. About the fact... Oh, keep preaching, Dot. Okay, sit down. I've never heard that before. Hell, you've just... I feel like I've gone to heaven. <laughs> Let's sing this beautiful song when we all get to heaven. Not long, not long. Yeah. 
Through the valley of the shadow No cancer No depression No unanswered questions No more searching For we will see Your glory We will see the glory Of your face For we will see your glory One day, one day, lift your eyes, one day. That's Rat, Matt, Matt Redman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful song, One Day, When We All Get to Heaven. Kind of a little bit of play on an old hymn that we sing in church and have for a long time. Actually, that's the very song we sang at the end of that um, Bible study on heaven at church last Saturday. Mm. Um, I don't know whether it was the drugs the painkiller drugs I'm into, Hunty, at the yes. moment with this um, post-operative leg or, yep. or what, but I felt very emotional. I felt very emotional. At the end of that sermon on Sabbath, very oh, emotional. It, it, um, it affected me, mate, too. Yeah. Harold Harker, you online there, brother? Hi there, Lloyd. We're with you again. This could be the last time, Harold, we speak to you with a, a dinky mic. <laughs> yes, someone, I'm coming to see you next week some, with a new one. Someone told me that Hunty's got a new one to put in your little studio up there and that we'll be able to hear you a lot better next year. I do and I will. Right. Uh, this guy, Dirk Willems, Dutch name, I'm guessing. Uh, interesting fellow. I like the story. Not a long story, but a powerful story. Um, tell us, where was Dirk born? Well, Dirk was born in Holland. Uh, in the Netherlands, a little village called Aspirin. Okay, and when was he born? Around when? What time? He, he was born back in the 16th century. Okay, so a fair while ago, born in the middle of the Protestant Reformation. Was was he baptised as a baby? Yes, of course he was. Everyone was at that stage because they didn't know what the Bible said. <laughs> 
So he gets baptised as an infant, and then he goes and, as he's growing up, do we know a lot about him growing up or not a whole lot? Not much, but he read the Bible, and the Bible says, believe and be baptised, and because of that, he says, I want to get baptised, now I can believe. Yeah, the Bible actually... um has a fairly strong case for not only getting baptized when you've made a decision for Jesus, but getting baptized not by the sprinkling of water, but by full immersion, symbolizing your death to your old ways. And as you come out of the water, the resurrection of Jesus or your resurrection to a new life. So he's baptized by immersion in the river, correct? That's correct. He was baptized like Jesus was baptized. So he joins a group. Tell us about that group. Well, the believers that he joined were called Anabaptists because they were baptised again. They'd been baptised as infants. They said that didn't count. Now, as Anabaptists, he joined this great Christian group. Who baptised by immersion on a decision to follow Christ. That's right. And he was offside. Would it be fair to say the Anabaptists were offside not only with the Church of Rome, of Rome itself, but also with most other Protestant groups of the day, including Martin Luther and others? That's right. And even in Switzerland, the other groups who believed there were Protestants, they persecuted the Anabaptists. So they're copping it from both uh, Rome and the other Protestant groups, which is very unfortunate. So to be an Anabaptist was something. Um, how did the church, the Catholic Church of his area, react to him joining the Anabaptists? Because I guess they're not overly impressed. Well, once they heard of it, they had him arrested and they put him in what was a prison. Do they know where, the, where, he, where he was imprisoned, Harold? It was a former residential palace, but they'd turned it into a prison, particularly for these people that wanted to be baptised by immersion. What would it have been like to have been imprisoned back then? Would it have been a difficult situation? Not, you know, what, what, what sort of conditions? How, how, did they suffer or was it not too bad? Well, often they were almost starving. They were beaten. They were belted around. And they were like animals there. It wasn't a pleasant place at all. He recognised actually if he'd stayed there that his life was in danger, that they probably were going to execute him for getting baptised by immersion. Is that right? Right. He said, if I stay here, I'll be done. Now, this is where the story gets interesting. He escapes. Tell us about the escape. Well, he decided, I've got to get out. And so he got some of the rags and the sheets and out the window, and down he went, and he escaped. He ran away, but he was seen. So he escapes, but he's off, and he's going to get away, correct? He's, yes, he even, even though they saw him, they would have been hard-pressed catching him. He's gone. Now, he has a guard after him. Tell us what happened then. I, I find this sad, inspiring, sobering, unbelievable, all these things. What happens? Well, as he ran, here's a pond. It's winter. And the, the pond had ice all over it, and he makes it safely across the pond, but the guard is chasing him, and he was a heavier bloke, and bang, he slips down the, the ice cracks, and he's in the cold water. So he's going to perish. Well, the guard would, but this Dirk Willems, he said, I've got to save this guy. So he goes and helps him get out of the pond. And this is where it's unbelievable. What did the guard then do? Well, the guard was then told by the burgomaster, arrest this guy. That's what you chased him for. He saved my life. Arrest him. So they got him. 
So they arrest him. They put him back in jail. What do they charge him with? Do we have the charge, Harold? Yes, we do. It's a very detailed charge. Let me read it to you. Okay. For getting baptised, all of which is contrary to our holy Christian faith and to the decrees of his royal majesty and ought not to be tolerated but severely punished and an example to others. Therefore, we, the aforesaid judges, having with mature deliberation of counsel examined and considered all that was to be considered, have condemned and do condemn in his name and the name of the Royal Majesty of the Count of Holland, that the aforesaid Dirk Willems, the prisoner, persistently, obstinately, in his opinion, will be executed with fire until death ensures. So they take him out into the town square and they execute him by fire. How did that go? Well, it was the 16th of May, 1569. And as they light the fire, the wind blows the flames away from him. And he's got to suffer because he's not hes not killed quickly. He's just being burnt. Mm. This idea that somewhere and somehow these guys, when they were executed, never felt pain, never experienced terror, uh, that it was a sweet experience and God protected them from it, it's not, not necessarily always true. A lot of them died writhing in agony, paying the full price for their faith for Jesus Christ. In fact, it was so bad for this guy that his executor took pity on him, right, and dispatched him. I said, dispatch him now, he can't tolerate anymore. And so he dies for his faith. He died for no other reason he wanted to be baptised by immersion. He's a martyr of the first order. It kind of gives you a sense of how important baptism is in the realms of this battle between darkness and light, where Satan, if given free reign, would rather execute you and have you murdered than be allowed to be baptised, because it is a powerful experience to go under the water symbolically come up out of the water symbolically saying lord i'm yours i'm dying to my old life i'm yours and i'll follow you and i'm your man or woman until death do us part hey um when you look at his life what do you think we can learn harold i think we learn how very important baptism is jesus was our example he went through it and he says you believe and get baptized okay so so you might say well how do i know whether or not it's time for me to be baptised. I always have a simple question. I'm not sure about you, Harold. Um, you've been calling people to baptism for, for a good part of your life too. This is my question. And if you can answer affirmative to this, you're ready for baptism. If you can say, I want to follow Jesus with all my heart for the rest of my life. I'll do anything he asks. I'm his completely 100%. If you can say, yeah, that's me, you're ready for baptism. That's it. And Dirk Williams, Williams said that, to the end of his life. Thank you for joining us today, Harold. Sorry it was a bit difficult. Again, the microphone for our listeners. That was the internet that time. We will fix that. We will. We will fix that. Yes. Um, God bless you, Harold. God bless you, mate. Merry Christmas. Merry See Christmas you next indeed. year. See ya. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Well, I know we're going to sing something. Yes. Let me put your <laughs> but, screen on so you can see what we're going to sing. 
that was a good story, that of that it was fella. A great story. Yeah, yeah. It's Mariah uh, Carey, uh, Lil's favourite. Um, this is this is <laughs> Hark the Herald Angels sing. I'm gonna I've, I've I've put a couple of Christmas carols in because will we be live next week? Uh, Maybe we could well be. Maybe depends um, on your knee. No, it doesn't depend on my knee. Why aren't you sitting in a world of pain right now? Doesn't matter. Okay. That's that will not be the depending <laughs> factor. It'll depend on technology and Hunty's in one place and I'm in another and when we can bring the two together. This is a good song. I I, I like Mariah Carey and her Christmas album. Um it's, it's the only songs I listen to of Mariah Carey are her Christmas album. But my kids made me buy a hundred years ago, Hunty. Oh, is that how you have it? Yeah. Okay. Hark the Herald Angels sings a nice song. Mariah Carey. You mm. know why Christmas is one of my favourite times of the year, Hunty? Why's that? Well, is do you like Christmas? Is it a good time for you or you don't like it? Yeah, no. I, I'm a bit of a Grinch, but I still love Christmas. Um, can you remember your earliest Christmas? Oh, probably five or six years old. 
sitting around the tree with the lights flashing, looking at them flash. Did your family celebrate Christmas? Yeah, waiting for present opening time. <laughs> when did you open your presents? Christmas morning? Yeah, when we wake up Christmas morning. Christmas, uh, Christmas yep. morning. But not if it fell on Sabbath. Okay. Yeah, we had to wait an extra day. <laughs> oh, okay. We we opened them, Sabbath or not. How you doing? I'm celebrating right um, now? Yeah. You do. You know what happens to me this afternoon? We're going to have an announcement of that properly in a minute. Are we just? Yeah, let's, let's do this because that's a big one. We're okay. going to do it properly. So hold on, folks. Okay, Hunt I'm holding got, on. got one of the biggest announcements I ever. Um, well, for getting, me anyway. getting back to Christmas. Back to Christmas, yeah. I remember my first Christmas day. Um, first Christmas I remember I was living on the dairy farm. We went down to the local hall because it's a local area. Everyone knew everybody. We're there with the community on Christmas Eve. Wow. Santa Claus comes in. Found out later in life that Santa Claus was actually dad, but I didn't know that. <laughs> got our presents. I remember everybody's enjoying the hall. I thought, I'm, I, and I thought, I thought this feeding. I'm going to go outside. And I'm going to see whether or not um, Santa and his reindeers are out there. And I can actually remember as a young fella going outside and walking around that hall and being completely perplexed at the fact that the reindeers <laughs> and the sled and Santa, Santa, Santa's stuff wasn't out there. The amazing thing how a kid's brain works, because if I'd gone out there and seen that, I would have fully expected it, you know what I mean? Wow. Yeah, fully expecting that to happen. I don't know when I realised that Santa Claus wasn't real. Or I hope I haven't been a, a spoiler there. Ooh. Uh, the, the presents are from mum and dad. Uh, it did dawn on me eventually. You know what? Do you like Christmas hunting or not? You're saying. Yeah, well, I'm a, I'm a bit of a Grinch, but also love Christmas. Why so there you, you go. Well, I'm just sharing a little thing and we'll listen to another Mariah Carey okay. Christmas thing in a second. All right. Christmas well, why, why do you like Christmas? Then I'll tell well, you Well, I love I Christmas do. because it's a good time to celebrate uh, my Lord and Saviour Jesus, even though we all know that he wasn't born actually in December. But I do like the focus that Christian churches in the world has on, on Jesus. I like the fact that it's family time, pretty much universally around the world. It's it's a good time for family to get together. And for us in, in summer in Australia, it's a great time for a barbecue. Get together outside. Hunty doesn't eat barbecue anymore, nor does Lloyd. I, bar- I barbecue vegetarian chickens. No. Vegetarian sausages. I'm going to be a testimony for Hunty here. <laughs> I have not seen him in the last 15 months go to or use or partake in a barbecue once. That's because I'm mostly vegetarian. That's because you've been on a health kick. Oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> Thanks for that miserable reminder. <laughs> do, you have to, do you have to be a, in a health kick on Christmas Day? No, and I'm pretty certain this Christmas Day all the rules will be dropped. I'm pretty sure that you'll be very happy to drop all those rules. Exceedingly happy. Yeah. You reckon I'll keep them or drop them? No, you're good. You're way better than me. You'll probably keep your rules yeah, yeah, up. Yeah, I will. I just got too fat. <laughs> and I lost all this weight. I don't want to put it back on again. But I'll, I'll eat well. You know why I like Christmas? Exactly the same reason you do. Because there's the one time when my community, Australia, my people, my country, place I belong to, where my roots and my blood come, you know, my bloodline, we're made of the red dust um, of the... Red dust of the deserts of this country, hunty. We love the big open skies. We're Australian. We this is the one time Australians stop and we'll briefly look at Jesus. That's right. That's why I like Christmas. And you know what it's about? When Jesus was born, Matthew one twenty one. she, Mary, will have a son and you're going to name him Jesus because this little baby boy came to save his people from their sins. And if we go live, if we go live next week, hunting, yes. we're going to look at that. Cool. How did the baby Jesus save the world? It's, it's a fantastic story, isn't it, mate? It is. Uh, Beautiful this story. second Christmas song from Mariah Carey, Oh Holy Night, 
she sings this song really good. Mm-hmm. And have, have you got a favourite Christmas carol, Hunty? Oh, I like the Christmas carols with. So with what, trumpets what, what, and what's your favourite? Because oh, we'll play we'll play one of yours next. I'll week. tell you after this song. There you go. Okay. Yeah. I, well, you're going to make a big announcement after this song. Am so, I? Okay. so straight after this song, yeah, okay. before Ask the Aussie Pastor, Hunty's going to take the floor with one of the most happy, yes, hugest, biggest, enormous announcements in 2023. Stop building it up. It's not yeah, that, it's not it, that much. it is. It's huge. <laughs> this is the biggest announcement from the Aussie Pastor Ministry in 2023. After this song, hold on, coming your way. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly Of our dear Savior's birth Long lay the world In sin and error pining Till he appeared And the soul felt its worth A thrill of hope
divine. When a little baby boy was born. The greatest moment in the world, actually. When Jesus came to save the planet. Hunty. Yes. If I could drum roll. Yes. I would. How do you do a drum roll? That'll do. Have you got a drum roll that you can put on? No, not immediately. This is huge. Well, I'm a bit excited about this. You ought to be. And I'm going to be quiet and you're going to tell us what happened. Well, while I've been sitting here this afternoon, listeners, my daughter's been busy making her own little Christmas miracle. So, for the second time, very proud grandfather is happy to announce baby Hugh. And he's big, he's come early. He's big, he's... Um, let me see. I'm look at the photos. He's 3.38 kilos. No one can see and it here. 52 centimetres long. No one can see it here. But oh, that's why I described him. Hunty's, Hunty's crying. So I'm <laughs> he has. He's got tears in his eyes. His voice is quavering. Grandpa is emotional because it's so beautiful. Well, it is a bit emotional for me. Very excited. It's fantastic news. Congratulations. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So glad that baby and, and mum are doing really well too, which is good. And when will you see the bud? As soon as we finish here, I'm in the car and I'm gone. <laughs> You won't see me for smoke. It'll be like a secret rapture. Funny thing is, you'll be back at work at six o'clock tomorrow morning. <laughs> Sad but true. <laughs> In fact, I'll guarantee you, listeners, that tonight he's got this program up. Yes, I'll be, uh, I'll be putting this up from probably the bedside, probably. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations. That's for the, that's for the replays and the repeats, yeah. And I can't hmm. imagine a bloke would be a better grandfather than you. Oh, Ah, true. Hey, you know what it's time for? Hmm. My favourite segment. Mm. Ask the Aussie pastor. Okay, man. Okay, so we've got, a, we've got a mate. He's a good supporter of our program. His name's Jezza, and he would like to know, mm. if God is so patient, mm. then why was his judgment in the garden so swift and so heavy? Uh, praise God, his judgment wasn't swift and it wasn't heavy. Oh. Because when the human race through Adam and Eve rebelled in the garden, we should have instantly, because we disconnected ourselves from Jesus, the, the life giver, all life comes from Jesus. We disconnected ourselves from him. We joined the rebellion. The result of disconnecting from Jesus, from God the Creator, is death. By rights, we should have died instantly. The opposite happened. Jesus came down. He rebuked Satan. And he looked at Adam and Eve and he said, I love you. Hmm. And because you're stuffed up, I'm going to come and save you. First prophecy in the Bible, Genesis chapter 3. So there was no judgment there. There was just salvation, salvation, salvation right from the beginning. And that's what Christmas is all about. Jesus promised in the garden he'd come to save us, and when he came as a little baby, he did. And next week we're going to look at that. Okay, next question. Can you please explain the Trinity? Um, Are there three separate entities, and how do they form one? And the term God, is that a simple term used like sir or ma'am here on earth? to signify position, or does it actually signify God as a singular person? How can all three be God or called God if, there are th- if they are three separate beings? Mm, good question. You've got four minutes to the last song. Um, God is singular. Yep. We serve one God. Yep. Expressed in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, often in the Bible, God doesn't want us to um, separate him out between the three. Genesis chapter 1, though, the Bible does say God said, let us make men in our own image, plural. It doesn't say, let me, it says, let us. So God is an us, God is a plural, God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Best I can get a hold of it, but we serve one God, and people say, oh, that's ridiculous. Well, not, not as much as you might think. 
I think marriage gives us a very imperfect example of who God is because when I got married to Liska, you were there, Hunty. I was. I both, wa- both times. I walked in as <laughs> I walked I walked in as, as yeah, I did get married twice. I got married um, Once with close family beach. and friends in the beach, yeah. And then I went and married the same girl in the, in the, in the, church. In the church. Yeah, yeah. it's not really nice. Yeah. Um uh, you put me off then. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm thinking both times. What are you talking? <laughs> <laughs> I, I enjoy I enjoy you over sometimes. Yeah, you do, but not in Bible study though. Sorry about that. Uh, basically, um, when you get married, I walked in as Lloyd and Liska walked in as Liska, and we walked out as a family, the Grolemans. So two people, one family. And the Bible does talk about God as the Godhead. No, it's not three separate gods. One God in three persons. It can be a bit confusing, but I think the more you study God, the more you get to know God, the more you realize it. And that's why Jesus said when the disciples come to him and said, show us the Father, he said, hey, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me. In other words, he was more than representative of the Father. What Jesus did on earth is what the Father would have done if he had been here. In fact, Jesus is called Father. So, look, um, we serve one God in three entities. I think we need to unpack that further in Bible study in the early new year, and you're going to hold now, listeners. Hunty's going to hold me accountable to doing that. So, not next time we meet, but the next time after we do the Trinity. Fair enough. Yep. Alrighty, we got time for another question. Here we do. Is there a time when it is right and proper for Christians to take up arms against an enemy? And I ask this in the context of Christian Jews who have taken up arms against Hamas. It's a, it's it's. The Bible says there's a time for peace and there's a time for war. Um, the Bible says thou shalt not murder. Um, and, and so I come from a military family, Hunty. Yeah. My grandfather is in the military. My father is, was in the military. Uh, my cousins, many of them were in the military. One's a high-ranking officer in the Navy right now. Um, but if Australia was under threat, as it was in World War Two, and my grandfather went up to the Kokoda track and defended militarily with a gun Australia from the Japanese what would I do I'd go to war hunty mm-hmm. but I'd go as Desmond Doss no oh, yeah medic yeah medic okay. I'd, I'd go and do medical work and so I'd go into a, a place of darkness um, and, and, a, and a place of um, awful death and I'd bring the light of Christ in through medical work so that's how I would do my duty it's nice. a very personal question hunty tis a very personal question and when you've got a born again relationship with the Lord a real one they're the sorts of questions I'm not trying to not trying to you know squelch on this at mm. all for me mm. I'm not going to kill that's, that's I will not kill mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I will do my duty very good does that make sense hunty that does make sense yeah I like that yeah, yeah. Um, but it is something it was a born again Christian if it happened I mean what do you do in World War two when you're attacked by Nazi Germany um, when you've got a Holocaust of the Jews it's a hard one, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Hey, we've just got a little bit of time left. Can I give a shout-out to what's going on at our church this Saturday? Yeah. So come to New Hope Church. We're in Quakers Hill, Fort Samuel Place, behind the Aldi, in the Life Anglican Church. We have a special Christmas program that's going to be taken by uh, our little kids, our bigger kids, and our beautiful worship music team. It's a Christmas also, program, Also, yeah. there'll be a lunch, and it's a Christmas program, yeah. So come to New Hope this week. The power of your love. Good song to Good finish song. the program it on. It is. Lord, I come to you. Let 
That is one of my all-time favourite songs. Yeah, me too. I, I choose it to sing at church all the time. I don't know whether you notice that, Hunty. I do. Darlene Check and... Uh, Jeff Bullock. Jeff Bullock. Yeah, beautiful song. Jeff Bullock, friend of yours? Yes. I yes. actually have met him once. The lovely, lovely man. He came across and did a... So talented. Did a concert for us yep. in New Zealand, really enjoyed it. Yep. I hope you've enjoyed our program today. I hope you've been able to look through a window into heaven and to see Jesus, because that's what this is all about. And I hope this Christmas, whether you follow Jesus and are a disciple like Hunty and me, or whether you're not, I hope you'll at least consider him. Because I can tell you after a tumultuous year, mm -hmm. as we go into this end of year, mm. the one thing I thank God for above all else, above everything else, and the blessings he's given me, is that I have Jesus in my life. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for Jesus. He's our beginning. He's our now. And he'll be with us through to the end. Bless the people now, Father, as we go into the Christmas. Bless Australia. May we have a happy time with family and friends in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. My name is Lloyd Grolleman. I'm Lozzie Pastor. And my name's Hunty. And you know what? We love you. But God loves you so much more. See you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, always to support us, go to findjesus.tv.